0: This podcast is brought to you by the Gosh Learning Academy. Hello and welcome back to Master the MRCPCH, our podcast from the Gosh Learning Academy, where we give you a run-through of a topic on the MRCPCH curriculum. My name is Ryan Thomas and I'm the Digital Learning Education Fellow at Great Ormond Street Hospital and a registrar in clinical genetics. This week, I'm really lucky to be joined by the brilliant Dr. Hong Wei Gan, a consultant in paediatric endocrinology and education lead for digital learning at GOSH. The topic of this week's podcast is growth. This corresponds to several aims under the endocrine and growth section of the MRCPCH curriculum, including understanding the patterns of normal growth and development, including puberty and its normal variations, understanding the physiological basis of growth and puberty and knowing the causes of abnormal growth, including short stature and slow or accelerated growth. As Hongwei mentions in the podcast, patients with abnormal patterns of growth can be included in multiple sections of the clinical exam. So I hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Hongwei. Thank you. So we're going to be talking about growth and puberty today. Before we start, can you just let our listeners know what you'd like them to get out of listening to today's podcast?
1: Yep. so I think the main objectives of this podcast are firstly to understand the normal pattern of growth and puberty in childhood and adolescence so that you can basically recognise abnormal patterns of growth and puberty. And also to know when to refer these children, either initially to a general paediatrician or with an interest in endocrinology or paediatric endocrinologist. And the last objective is to be able to list the basic investigations that you need to do for children with short stature or growth failure.
0: That sounds perfect. So shall we start by thinking about normal growth? So what is normal growth?
1: Yep. So the way I think about growth is growth occurs in phases throughout life. So there are essentially four phases of growth. The first is when you're a fetus, when you're in neutral, which is actually the period when you grow your fastest. So for example, at 20 weeks of gestation, you're growing something like 120 centimeters a year. And you never really grow that fast ever again for the rest of your life. That growth rate then declines gradually into childhood, so after you're born, but your growth rate's already declining, and you can see that on the growth chart, where the curve is quite steep initially after birth, and then it gradually flattens out in childhood. After birth, up to the first year of life, um, you grow something like 25 centimetres a year, and then in the following um, years up to the age of three, the way I usually remember it is that each year, your growth rate halves, so in your second year of life, you grow something like 12 centimetres a year. And then in your third year of life, you grew at about eight centimeters a year. And then the childhood phase, your growth is fairly linear in terms of your height. So if you look at the growth chart, that line is a fairly straight line. And then the last bit is puberty, where you get this final growth spurt just before you finish growth. And I always talk about it. The illustration I use is a marathon and then you finally have a sprint at the end where you're finishing your growth. So looking at these phases, like I say, there's various speeds of growth, and I've really talked about the speed of growth during fetal life. In infancy, that growth rate gradually declines, as I said before, such that when you're in that linear phase of growth in childhood, you're generally growing about five centimeters a year. And then puberty, you get that final growth spurt, which in a boy can peak at about 10 to 12 centimeters a year, and a girl it's about eight to 10 centimeters a year. And then you finally finish growth in adulthood, but you obviously don't grow anymore. The other thing about growth is associated with that is puberty and it's knowing when normal pubertal development happens. So we talk about normal puberty in girls occurring between eight to 13 years of age. And that begins with breast development and it ends with having regular periods. And then in boys, normal puberty occurs between nine to 14 years of age beginning with testicular enlargement and finishing with your voice breaking and growing facial hair. The other thing about growth is realizing that actually growth occurs at different rates in different organs of the body. So your first few years of life is associated with brain development. And then actually your lymphoid tissue gradually develops in your first few years of life, which is why childhood infections are fairly common in young children. And then obviously your reproductive organs develop during the pubertal phase. There are lots of factors that influence growth. People think about endocrine factors being the most common, but actually there are lots of extenuating external factors, which influence growth, such as nutrition, the presence or absence of chronic disease, psychosocial factors. So we know that psychosocial deprivation can actually affect your growth. And then there's obviously familial factors, sort of non-specific. Genetic factors that influence your growth. So we talk about this thing called your mid parental height, which you can calculate. There are calculators around to, to make it easy. The way to do it for a boy is so you take the two parents' heights, you add 14 centimeters and you divide by two. And in a girl, you subtract 14 centimeters and divide it by two. And that basically gives you a, a target height for an individual, but obviously not children will reach that height. So there's kind of a 95th centile range where you add and subtract 10 centimeters for boy and add and subtract eight centimeters for girl and gives you a, a 95th centile range where a child should lie when they're adult. And then obviously there's other genetic factors that can influence growth. So genetic syndromes, so, you know, things like Down syndrome, things like prader willi syndrome, all of those are associated with short stature. So yeah. So so that's, those are kind of the factors that influence growth and what normal growth is.
0: That's a brilliant summary. Thank you very much, Hongwei. Shall we move on to think about abnormal growth? How do we define abnormal?
1: Yeah. So most of these definitions of what normal and abnormal are really related to the 95th centile range for normal, healthy children. So when we talk about abnormal growth, there are various ways to think about it. One is this absolute cutoffs where we would consider something to be abnormal. So for example, if your height or weight is less than the 0.4 centile, that would be considered abnormal. If your head circumference is less than the second centile, we would consider it abnormal. And then for example, for obesity, we use cutoffs in children that are related to the normal population. So there, there are different definitions of this. So one of the definitions that I tend to use is a BMI that's above the 98 centile. I'll classify that as obese or your BMI being below the second centile, then that would be being underweight. Then there's relative factors where we look essentially at the comparison to kind of mid-parental heights. for example, so if you're outside that target centile range, which I've talked about before being plus minus 10 centimeters for boys and plus minus eight centimeters for girls. So if you're outside that range, you would consider that to be outside the 95th centile and therefore it's abnormal. And then there's the relationship between your height and weight. So usually your height and weight should be on the same centile. And therefore that's what your BMI is. It's your relation to your height and weight. If you're on different centiles, usually if you're two centiles above or below for either of those relationships, then you would consider that abnormal. And then the last thing is what I call the trajectory of growth. So I've already talked about normal speeds of, or height velocities in childhood and in puberty. And if you're kind of growing much more than five centimeters a year or much less than five centimeters a year, then you kind of need to think about pathology behind that and similar, if you don't demonstrate a pubertal growth spurt, you need to think about pathology behind that. And then the last thing is if you kind of have a decline In your centiles which is related to the speed of growth so if you look at a growth chart and someone's crossing more than two centile lines on the growth chart in either direction then that would be abnormal as well
0: great so so let's pick up that point on pathology do you have a system for thinking about the etiology of of abnormal growth
1: yeah so i i tend to think of it as either antenatal factors which are basically factors you can't really change so these are things like what i've already alluded to before where there might be familial traits you know as we know if your family is tall you're more likely to be tall and if your family is short you're more likely to be short so we have this diagnosis called familial short stature which is related to your family this is a polygenic type of inheritance where you can't really pinpoint the specific genes that cause these differences in heights between families. There are genetic syndromes, as I've talked um, about before. So these can be monogenic disorders or chromosomal disorders. You might have, for example, something like Marfan syndrome, which causes tall stature, or you might have something like Down syndrome, which causes short stature, or you might have something, some abnormalities with your skeletons. We, we call these skeletal dysplasias, which largely cause short stature, so, such as achondroplasia, for example. And then I think of postnatal factors. So I've already talked about chronic disease and you can think about those in different systems. So for example, if you have congenital heart disease, if you have respiratory disease, such as cystic fibrosis, if you've got gastrointestinal disease, such as inflammatory bowel disease. You know, you can think of lots of different systems where if you've got chronic disease of whatever cause that could affect your growth. I've talked about endocrine disorders, which are really a very small section of growth disorders. So we talk about growth hormone deficiency or growth hormone excess that can cause again short stature or tall stature. Hypothyroidism tends to cause short stature with weight gain. And hyperthyroidism causes tall stature with weight loss. And then things like adrenal insufficiency can cause weight loss. Whereas if you have Cushing syndrome, then you can have weight gain. Along with that, we talk about disorders, but it's also um, being aware about what we call um, normal puberty variants. So you might have, for example, constitutional delay of growth in puberty, which is where puberty happens late and that sometimes is an inherited trait. And in these patients, which is Usually boys more than girls, puberty, for example, starts at 14 to 15, and then they actually have a delayed bone age, and they have additional years of growth compared to their friends, and they just finish growth a bit later. So, you know, like I say, the definition of normal growth is a 95th centile range, and there will obviously be children in the normal population who lie just outside those centile ranges, and that's what constitutional delay refers to, so these are the kind of Outside the 95th centile, the plus minus 2.5 centiles on either side, and then lastly, as I've talked about before, psychosocial deprivation. So, if you if you have a child with severe neglect, emotional neglect, we know that can delay growth and cause grow short stature as well. So, those are the groupings that I think about, and like I say, the endocrine abnormalities are really a small section of that it's more important to look for things like chronic disease because you can modify that to improve growth.
0: Absolutely. And and just thinking about the exam as well, I guess those are all potential little clues that could be added into a question about short stature, which may point you in the direction of a diagnosis. So we've talked a little bit about short stature, but I'm also aware that you can have abnormal growth in the opposite direction. So overgrowth disorders. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yep. Sure. So uh, I always say common things are common. So in a tall child, again, you need to kind of have a look at the mid-parental height. They might just come from a tall family. So familial tall stature is also possible, like familial short stature. The other thing that's important to do is to look at their pubertal development. So they might have had an early puberty. And again, it's good to distinguish what is early versus what is precocious. So the cutoffs of eight years old in girls and nine years old in boys if a child kind of develops in precocious puberty before those ages then it's not surprising that they are tall at that point and what's important there is to do a bone age and see how advanced that bone age is because it may be that they'll land up short because they've started puberty too early so so those are kind of the things to think about and again with the precocious and early puberty there might be a familial tendency to it. So it's worth asking the parents about it. Usually early puberty is more common in girls than boys. And if precocious puberty starts really early, so for example, in a four or five year old, then that needs investigating because then there probably is an abnormal factor behind it. So those are kind of the two main things I think about. Then obviously there are syndromes which are less common. So things like Marfan syndrome is probably the one that we all think about in terms of tall stature. There's much, there are much rarer syndromes such as Sotos syndrome, rarer overgrowth syndrome, which you know, are usually, there's usually a genetic cause. And there's obviously no time in this podcast to cover all of that. So I, you know, I think like I said, look for the common things and then see if there are possible genetic causes and you probably would need to liaise with your clinical geneticist to try and identify those rarer causes.
0: So I guess another thing that would point you in the direction of a diagnosis are investigations. So is there a kind of standard battery of tests that you suggest for abnormal growth? How do you approach investigations?
1: So we do this thing called a short stature screen, Whereas the first line, we perform a set of basic investigations. Um, initially, what I usually recommend is that you do basic hematology, such as a full blood count and basic biochemistry. So electrolytes, your liver function tests. A bone profile, you also want to do inflammatory markers such as an ESR and a CRP. And that's mainly to look at um, inflammatory conditions that um, might be rheumatological or dermatological or immun- immunological. Um, and then you want to do a CDAC screen because it's something you really don't want to miss when you're looking at a child who's not growing properly. Um, and as a baseline, you do thyroid function tests And in all girls, you always do a karyotype to look for Turner syndrome, because that's a diagnosis, again, that you do not want to miss because the clinical features can often be quite subtle. Now, if all of that is normal, then there's a set of second-line investigations, which are essentially endocrine, um, looking at your pituitary functions. So you might want to do an IGF-1, which is a marker of growth hormone action. You want to do your puberty hormones, so LH, FSH. Um, estradiol in girls and testosterone in boys, um, you'd want to do a morning ACTH and cortisol. And that's because your cortisol is highest um, in the morning, so around 8 to 9 a.m. And then if you've not already um, kept a sample from doing your karyotype, you'd also send off send a DNA sample for storage. After you've done all these investigations, if the cause of um, the poor growth is still not clear, Um, By this point, you'd probably be referring to an endocrinologist and we would be thinking about doing dynamic function tests to look at um, things like growth hormone deficiency or um, hypogonadotrophic hypogonadism. If all of those tests are normal and you can't find a you know, a reason for growth, or if you find that actually this child's short stature is disproportionate. So for example, if their kind of spine is disproportionate to their limbs, or if you look at their limbs, you can see that, you know, for example, the the arm is shorter than the forearm, then that's disproportionate short stature. And you might want to co- consider skeletal dysplasia, and the way to diagnose that is through a skeletal survey. So, those are kind of the basic investigations and some of the second line investigations that I would do in the first instance.
0: So, thank you for that, Hongwei. That was a brilliant run through of growth and puberty. Before we let you go, I'm just going to ask you the standard quickfire questions that we ask everyone on this podcast. So, to start off, are there any classic exam questions that pop up about this subject?
1: So yeah, definitely. So one of, one of the classical questions is you might have a case where a baby is exhibiting growth failure or what we used to call failing to thrive. They might ask you what the basic investigations are that you might do for this child. So that would be the short stature screen that we talked about. They might then proceed to say, these are the results and what are things you might look for. The other thing that I have sometimes seen before is kind of basic interpretation of really basic endocrine tests so for example you might have a child again who is losing weight and then they might have other for example other features of Addison's disease so they might have hyperpigmentation so they might show you a synactin test which is a dynamic function test um, and I've seen this in exams before and they might ask you to interpret that so it's worth kind of having a quick read of, around re- really basic endocrine investigations and knowing how to interpret those cutoffs. Those questions do tend to appear a bit more in part one, where there's a requirement to understand a bit more about basic physiology. Sometimes in the clinical exam, you might be shown certain syndromes. So certainly my clinical exam in the development station, I had a child with Down syndrome. And, you know, it's quite good to kind of look at some of these syndromes and recognize the kind of basic features. It's not going to be one of those that, you know, nobody's expecting you to be a clinical geneticist and kind of. Doing a spot diagnosis for some of these rarer things but for example down syndrome is something that's fairly common and they would probably expect you to identify that from the start
0: that's really good advice i think so our second question is are there any useful resources that you would recommend to people having a look at
1: yeah so the kind of most basic resource which has a lot of information is the royal college of paediatrics and child health growth charts you know they if you actually look at a growth chart, they've got lots of things on it. The bit that people don't read are the text bits that can come with the growth charts. They talk about plotting the BMI, looking at mid-parental heights. If you look at the new growth charts, there's a bit on the growth chart where if a child is short, but hasn't developed puberty yet, it helps you diagnose constitutional delay of growth and puberty. So there's actually lots of information on there. So if you look at the whole growth chart have a read through, and you find that really useful. So I think that's a really important thing for anyone, you know, any pediatrician, because we all need to know about normal childhood growth as a baseline. There are other websites. So the British Society of Pediatric Endocrinology and Diabetes have got some useful patient information leaflets and lots of links to other external websites. So the Child Growth Foundation is one that, again, has lots of information sheets for parents and families, which are worth having a read through about things like Turner syndrome, some of the more unusual skeletal displaces, stuff like that. And then the Turner syndrome support society, which is a really active society, again, has got information about Turner syndrome in a bit more detail. If you want to kind of know a bit more about, you know, pediatric endocrinology, so apart from kind of the standard membership textbooks, there's also an Oxford handbook of pediatric endocrinology, which is a relative of Oxford Clinical Handbook of Medicine, this is a much smaller handbook of paediatric endocrinology, which, you know, talks a bit about all the things that I've already mentioned in this podcast.
0: Brilliant. And the final question is, what are your three takeaway learning points from this podcast?
1: So I think the first thing is really recognising what normal growth in puberty is, because by recognising what's normal, you then be able to identify what is abnormal. The other thing is remembering what the basic investigations should be in a child who's not growing. And the third one is having some sort of framework for thinking about patterns of abnormal growth. So the kind of factors influencing that and in a way like a surgical sieve. So having an idea about antenatal factors influencing growth and then postnatal factors that, that influence growth and then kind of working away way down those possibilities in terms of thinking about causes.
0: That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Hongwei, for that brilliant run-through of growths and puberty.
1: No worries. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Master the MRCPCH. If you want to get in touch, you can do so via social media. You can find GOSH Learning Academy on Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. If you want to hear more about the work of the GOSH Learning Academy, you can visit our website at www.gosh.nhs.uk and search Learning Academy. We also have lots of exciting new podcasts coming soon. To find out more, search Gosh Pods wherever you get your podcasts. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you again next time. Thank you. Bye.